Good morning. Today is Tuesday, October 27th, 2020. In our parsha of Lech Lecha, after Avraham battles against the other kings in order to rescue his nephew Lot, Malki Tzedek, who was a king of his region, praises Avraham and blesses him. And then in response to that, the Torah says, Vayiten lo maser mikol. Avraham gives to Ma'alki Tzedek maaser, a tithing, a tenth of everything. Avraham gave some of the, presumably some of the spoils of the war, but he gave a tenth of everything to Malki Tzedek. Now, this is the first use in the Torah of this term, Miser, which comes from the word Eser, and therefore Miser, mi es, me Eser, means from ten, meaning one-tenth, a tenth, or the English word that we use is a tithing. Now, Miser in the Torah is not exactly what we understand as tzedakah, as charity, although the terms later start to be used interchangeably. I'll discuss that in a moment. But like here, Miser is an institution where a person sets aside 10% of the income of their crops in order to support people and institutions that are public servants. So, for example, later on, we have a tribe of Levi, and that tribe of Levi is the ones, they are the ones who are the Jewish teachers and the spiritual leaders of the Jewish people, so they have to be supported. So there's a system of Miser, where all of the farm owners take 10% of the crops that they raise and they give it to the Levi and, and the Levi's family to support them so that the Levi will be able to engage in this public service and not have to worry about his own income and, and supporting his family. And that's precisely what the commentators say here, the Sefer Aznayim Torah on our Pasuk, where Avram gives Miser to Malki Tzedek, the, the Aznaim the Torah says, V'shomrei Mishmeres Hashem, those people who are doing God's work, who are doing things that society needs, Yiyupnuyim Midagas Hamazonos, they should be freed from having to worry about their income since they're working for us. So uh, we support them so that they are able to do the work that benefits all of us. As I said, later this becomes institutionalized in the structure of Miser, where farmers in Israel are required to give 10% of their crops to support the tribe of Levi. It is really, in a sense, a flat tax system to support needed segments of society. However, later, our rabbis borrowed this word and they borrowed the amount of one-tenth for guidance on personal tzedakah. 
because there's also a mitzvah later in the Torah that a person should give tzedakah. Poseach tiftach es yadcha. You shall surely open your hand to your fellow. You should be generous in giving money to a person who is in need. And therefore, a rabbi suggests that that obligation of personal tzedakah should follow the nomenclature of miser. And that is that one should give 10% of their earnings as tzedakah. In our society, in our modern and sophisticated society, there may be questions that come up in figuring out how much to give, from which sources to give, and also in figuring out to whom to give it. So I want to just spend a couple of minutes to at least go over the headlines of this. So the recommendation of our rabbis is to give 10% of net income, and that is income from, <laughs> from any source, income from work, income from uh, um, a gift, income from lottery winnings, um, income from any source. After paying tax on that amount of income, and also after paying the legitimate expenses that were needed to earn that money. So it's a net figure. What is considered a legitimate business expense? In our society, it shames me to say it, but a lot of people are um, not so careful about what they claim as business expenses in ways that may violate the law. Here, Rav Moshe Feinstein gives us very clear guidance and says that whatever would be considered a legitimate business expense <clears throat> for the governmental tax authority in the place that we live, like the CRA, or in the U.S., the IRS, then that becomes a legitimate expense. And if such an expense would be disallowed by the IRS, then that would also not be considered a legitimate expense to come against the income for MISER purposes. Once you've figured out how much to give, then the question is to whom you should give it. Now, the first major point is, it is your discretion. A, a person who has funds has total discretion over who the recipients of their tzedakah should be. <clears throat> it is a preferable thing for your own character refinement and development to try to develop the practice that you give to everyone who asks. Of course, if you're not sure of the legitimacy, maybe it will just be a very small amount. But the idea of being generous and not saying no, at least in a very small amount, that is a proper and uh, uh, refinement of character that is praised by our sages. Of course, if you can afford it. It is, however, permitted and recommended to look into a recipient before giving any larger amount to make sure that it is legitimate, 
to make sure that the funds are being spent carefully and also to make sure that the funds are being used for a purpose that is in line with your intention for giving it. Now, among the recipients of your tzedakah, there is what I would call primary tzedakah and secondary tzedakah. Primary tzedakah means supporting people who are hungry, supporting people who are in need, giving basic food, shelter, clothing to those who do not have it. Secondary tzedakah is what I would refer to as supporting important causes and institutions. Obviously, from a Jewish point of view, at the head of that list are Torah institutions, institutions that support the study of Torah and prayer and creating Jewish community. But any uh, organization that helps to make society better is within this larger category of secondary tzedakah. Our sages recommend that a person should have a diversified recipient allocation portfolio. And that means a person should give most of their funds within the primary tzedakah category, but also reserve some of their funds for the secondary category. And within each category, there should be multiple recipients starting inward what is closest to me personally, and going outward, including into the non-Jewish world. Tzedakah given to the non-Jewish world is valuable and important and fulfills the mitzvah of tzedakah. And a person should, again, try to satisfy the many ripples of their life going outward so that their tzedakah recipient allocation is diversified. If a person gives, let's say, a thousand dollars to tzedakah, and because of the tax laws, let's say you got a receipt, you were able to get back 500 or in tax savings, then that 500 still has to go to tzedakah. The fact that you got it back as a result of tax savings means it's back in the category of a type of income and it is still subject to tzedakah. You have not given the $1,000 if part of it comes back to you. In fact, a number of crimes, which a person should never ever do, involve giving tzedakah and under the table getting part of it back. That is a crime according to Jewish law and civil law, and that is also a terrible chil Hashem, a desecration of God's name, as there are so-called, in quotation marks, religious people who engage in such fraudulent practices. In our society, there are certain donations that may qualify for a tax benefit, but they will not be in the category of tzedakah. For example, let's say you live in a place where you get a tax credit if you buy an electric car or some other kind of investment or activity allows for some type of tax savings. That's not supporting someone who is hungry or some important cause. And therefore, although it may be a legitimate tax vehicle, it is not considered part of a person's tzedakah obligation. If a person makes 
payments for personal medical expenses. Even if a person lives in a place or is in a situation where those have a tax consequence of reducing one's uh, tax liability, that does not therefore allow it to be considered as tzedakah. Tzedakah is what I spend on others, not on what I spend for myself. <clears throat> Paying Jewish school tuition is a complicated subject. First of all, it is possible that a person could live in a place where paying tuition is not allowable according to tax law as a charitable deduction, but it may be considered as a tzedakah payment under the following circumstances. If you can separate what is the amount that you are paying for your child to be educated versus what amount are you donating that helps to educate other children then that additional amount would be considered within the category of tzedakah. It may not be in the category of a secular charitable donation. That depends on the laws. Even in terms of tzedakah, it is very difficult to calculate that because the truth of the matter is, even if you look at the entire amount of tuition in many Jewish schools, that does not cover the amount that it takes to educate your child. Schools depend on other sources of funding. So it's not at all an easy calculation, but theoretically, if you were to give more to a school that in that is be and that amount is being used to educate other children, that would be a tzedakah recipient. Ramosha Feinstein and Igris Moshe writes that Meiser the obligation to give 10% also compels designating at least 10% of our time to help others. This type of miser is a very important aspect of who we are. And I would say particularly now, this is a type of miser that we need to be very, very careful about. And it is certainly the right thing. I know many of you do this and I know uh, many people do this, but this is certainly the right thing during these days especially to take a certain part of our day and allocate that. This is the time that I'm going to make phone calls to people who are alone, phone calls who may be people who are not feeling well, phone calls to maybe family relatives that would like to hear from each other, phone calls to people who uh, just would like to be able to talk and someone to talk to, um, um, even if they're well, but just to be able to, to have some human contact. And that time that we spend in that type of interaction, that is absolutely a tzedakah obligation, according to Rav Moshe. At least 10% of our time should be spent in those types of endeavors. So there we have it. The first mention of Miser is in our Parsha. It evolves and develops into a very vast, complicated structure intended to help our community, to help our society, to help our world, and to help us become better people. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing all of you soon in the